This morning, I pray that the mercies and the grace of God will enable me as I minister this topic that I believe very well. It is necessary for us to really be able to grasp upon this message. For the beginning of the year, we've been really dealing with this, the topic of prayer. And, you know, we've been taking the gospel of Luke chapter 11, verses 1 all the way down, looking at the pattern of what Jesus Christ taught us when we are dealing with the place of prayer. Acknowledging the fact that it was not just for us to just use it as a rehearsal in our prayer, but really understand the components that he was bringing or sharing light to us. That was not just any ordinary thing for us to just say, that will be done. But the believers need to understand what it takes and what it means when we ask of God that let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Means that whatever has been orchestrated in heaven, we need that on this earth. Hallelujah. So we serve a God who is a God that answers prayer. And of all the things that he manifested whilst he was on this earth, it was necessary that the disciples or the children of God will understand the place of prayer. That's why the Bible says that his house shall be a house of what? Prayer. Yeah. Tell your neighbor his house shall be a house of prayer. Yeah, 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 yeah. You see, you cannot let anybody rob you from your prayer. Neither can you neglect the place of prayer. Because it is necessary in the building up of the Christian life. Hallelujah. We, 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 we who are in the medical field knows that when a, 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 a patient comes, based on sometimes their diagnosis, there are sometimes that we, we, we have to be aggressive about some things in their condition. Those who know what I'm talking about. There are some patients that we know that it is impossible, whatever we can do, we will say, especially in the surgery world, that we can surgerize everything. Everything can be cut. But now until we provide the component of nutrition, we can operate all right, but we know that if we enter into the person's body to operate, because of the malnourishment, whatever surgery we do can fall apart. Can I, um, maybe I'm teaching too much to the medical terms here, but I have to break it down. You see, it means that nutrition is a component in the life of the well-being of the person. Mm. So it is not just a natural thing to say You have gone to the doctor And they have cats and cat cats And you are okay There are some things that need to fall in place For you to truly be healed And that is the thing about the life of Christianity That prayer cannot be neglected because when you have prayer residing in you, that when the Lord says you are healed, by your faith in your prayer, it falls in agreement with God's word. Hallelujah. So for the past few weeks, we've been dealing with the place called that will be done on earth. 
as it is in heaven. And today, by the mercies and the grace of God, I have a you know, disclosure. I'm not going to finish it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. I'm not going to rush in the word. I want you to be able to really understand the fullness of what God, the Lord is trying to teach us here. So that we shall be a church that when we come to our place and our exercise of prayer, we understand what it takes and what it means. Hallelujah. So I want us to take the scripture to the first John chapter 5 verses 14. That is where our main text will come from. Our second main text will come from Jude 20 to 25. Amen. First John chapter 5 verses 14 going. And I read. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he knows, uh, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. Amen. Let's read it again. Now, this is the confidence that we have. Amen. In him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Amen. I love this. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. Now, this is the confidence. The letter that the apostle wrote made us understand in this very place truly that prayer is, 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 is the place where God answers his people. God is a God that answers prayer. But we need to make sure that we don't just begin and enter the conclusion without the application of what is in between. He's not said in his word that he will not answer the prayers of his people. He will surely answer the prayers of his people. But the thing here is that he said that as they ask in accordance to what? But before we get there, let's understand again what the verse says. Because it's necessary. Now this is the confidence. Meaning that there is a component that you need to exercise. Which is the component of your confidence. Here. Your confidence in him. That whatever you ask. So before you even ask. Your confidence in him has to be activated. Did you get what I'm saying? That is why the Bible says that God hates lukewarmness. He needs people who know that he is yes and amen. amen. So your, your, your place of confidence in him is necessary when it comes to your place of prayer. If the God that you are praying to you don't even have confidence in his ability. 
Yet you expect him to answer you. Can, can I teach this here? Because this is missing in the church. Because the reason why a lot of people have now gone to depend on all sorts of people for the provision of pray for me, pray for me, is because they themselves don't want to carry the ability of having confidence in his enablement. We are missing how to activate our confidence that he is God. Because if I know the moment I put my confidence in him, I have nowhere else to go. So what is this confidence? It is the measure of boldness without compromise or comparison. We develop this out first out of our ability to surrender. <laughs> yeah. The reason why sometimes we are struggling with having our confidence in God is because we don't want to surrender. I hope I'm teaching you something here. Because the confidence I'm talking about is not a confidence based on what you have done before. <laughs> you see, when I am good at what I do, then I am confident telling you I'm going to do this. Did you get it? You see, there are a lot of things that I do in my place of work, you know, with procedures and stuff like that. Like, I can actually do, I'm not, I don't want to just, you know, make it look like I'm bragging, but I, I got some skills, you know what I mean? Your pastor got some skills on some things, you know what I mean? So, there are some things that, you know, when, 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 when my residents cannot get it, they, they have to come to me and ask me, we need your help. And when I go in to try to do it, I don't doubt myself. Because I know based on my experience and my skills, I, I am able to do it. Because I've been exposed in this arena for years. But I am not talking about that measure of confidence. I am talking about the measure of confidence where you let go and let God. <laughs> Philippians 3, verses 3. Can we go there? I want to explain briefly so that we can go to exactly what I want to. Like I said, we are not Russian. Tell your neighbor we are not Russian. We are going to enjoy ourselves in his presence. Give your neighbor a high five in case your neighbor is Russian. Make sure that your neighbor is still here. Hallelujah. Now, can you give me the entire verses 3 to 7? For we are the circumcision, the ones who serve by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I once had confidence, hear this, in the flesh, too. Hear what Apostle Paul was saying. If anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have what? Okay, how does he have more? Hear what he says. Circumcise the eighth day, check box, of the nation of Israel, check box, of the tribe of Benjamin, check box. Of, the, of Hebrew, born of what? Hebrews. As, the, as to the law, a Pharisees. As to zeal, persecuting the church. As to the righteousness, 
that is in the law blameless. But everything that was against to me have considered to be what? A loss. Because of what? See, your, your ability to gain confidence in God first depends on you surrendering to him. But you see, the human factor says, I can do it. I can do it. I have to speak my mind. I have to tell my husband how I feel about this. I have to tell my wife how I feel about this. I have to tell my boss, you know, what, what he's doing. He, ain't, he doesn't know how to do it right. Because I've been there. I've been in this company for too long. And everything that he's doing or she's doing is all wrong. So we put the confidence in our experience. But Apostle Paul was teaching us here, let's not put our confidence in the flesh. But let's put our confidence in Jesus. But the way to put your confidence in Jesus is to count everything a loss. Hallelujah. Count everything what? A loss. In the life of Christianity, or in the life of mankind, when we lose something, we feel defeated. But in the kingdom of God, when you lose something, you gain. You become more victorious. So, since you became a believer, you got to ask yourself, what have you lost? Because if you have not lost some things in your life, then you have not become victorious yet as a child of God. I want to preach to my brothers and my sisters uh, because we should not be a church uh, that shall not walk in the victory that Jesus has given to us. But we should be a church and the people of Christ uh, that walk in victory. But that victory can only be gained when you count all things and lost. Uh, yeah. Everything and lost. Everything what? Oh, the preaching is quiet. Everything and what? Say to yourself, everything and what? Yeah. Those who don't want to lose anything. There is victory in your loss. The second component of this confidence. <laughs> my time is gone, but let's keep going. Is the ability to see his will more perfect than your will. The confidence I'm talking about is to see that the will of God is more perfect than your will. Jesus Christ said, not my will, but thy will. Why? Because he saw the Father's will was superior than his will. And I don't want us to make it too spiritual, but look at the story of Ruth. You see, the Bible says that when it came to Ruth, her husband has died. And Naomi said, go back to your father's home. Opa agreed with Naomi. Because the circumstances justify a transfer back. <laughs> but Ruth saw something that Opa did not see. She told Naomi, Stop urging me. Because wherever you go, I will go. Where you die is where what? I will die. He had 
kept everything a lost. So it did not matter what Naomi did not have. You see, Ruth was holding on to Naomi who had nothing. <laughs> see, a lot of us, we put our confidence in the person who got something. But Ruth put her confidence in the person who had nothing. Everything was a loss. But yet, Ruth saw something that Oprah did not see. And Ruth, because of that grace that Ruth saw in the life of Naomi, the Bible makes us understand that Ruth became a generation of David. And because of Ruth, Jesus Christ was born. I don't know what you have called lost, but there is a victory coming your way. If you can just let it let go and let God. Hallelujah. Can I teach the church here? I can't talk about praying for the word of God unless you understand where your confidence is. Because it says now this is the confidence. It is necessary to you understand that the Lord by his spirit did not inspire the people to put, just put in your ordinary words by mistake. It was all for a reason. We are not dealing with confidence that you need to see proof before you say I have confidence. But out of nothing, Ruth followed Naomi and God caused the life of Ruth to become a memorial life that her name is in the Bible and not just that a book was written about her deeds I pray that in the book of life your name shall be written because of your measure of faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I keep going? Yeah, I'll keep going. Amen. There's a lot to say. Oh, Jesus. John chapter 5, verses John. First John chapter 5, once again, where we read. He says, if you ask anything according to what? His will. He hears. Hallelujah. Now, this is one of the plays, and I'm, I, want, I think I'm going to end soon so that we can finish it next week. But it's necessary that I end with us dealing with this very place. Hallelujah. It says, if you ask according to what? Come on, church. According to what? According to what? His will. <laughs> what happens when you ask according to his will? He hears us. True or false? True. That's what the word says, right? Now, why is this a challenge for us every day as Christians? Because it is a challenge for us. Because when it comes to the place of understanding the will of God, 
we have watered down that message. Because most pastors have not even figured it out. The truth is be told. It is one of the plays that the truth is this. The will of God, like I simply put it last week in the church of Lynchburg, that it is truly the predestined thought of God. Meaning that it is not you that changes his mind. But God had you in his palm before you were born. He knew of your beginning and your end. So the reason why sometimes we find it difficult to accept the will of God is because we cannot understand that if God's will truly has to be done, why is there a component called as an affliction? Because if that will is part of it, then there shouldn't be any affliction. There shouldn't be any challenge. Everything should be cruising. But I came to announce to you, it is still the will of God. I am not going to falsify and prophesy over your life if the will of God has not decreed it. That's right. The will of God. The will belongs to him. That's right. So, the challenge we have here is that when we go before God in prayer and say, God, I want your will to be done. <laughs> this is what we see. God, let your will be done. Truly speaking, we are telling him, let your will be done. Right? Receive this. I've come to you in prayer. But the, the, the response back is that let my will be done. You see, the will of God is a, is, 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 is a, is a global context. It's not just one way. You can't just say, God, I want your will, but I want it my way. The moment you ask God for his will, you are saying you want him to hear you and you want him to answer you according to his will. Meaning that the time of the answer prayer belongs to him. The way of the answer prayer belongs to him. Let me tell you something before I'm ending. You see, it is simply because of that that we have missed it sometimes. I wrote here that the will of God is a comprehensive will. It is not a one way. It is not experienced through dictating to God. But it is experienced or it is done by partaking in the will. Can I teach that to you briefly before I end? Yeah. You see, when my sister comes to me and says, Pastor, I want your will to be done. Right? She has her own thoughts and her own ideas. And if I decide to not do it a certain way, she's like, truly, is that you? It, it, really, is that how you're going to do it? But you see, we want this one-way street. But that's how God does his will. Jesus Christ said, not my will, but let your will. Because this 
what Jesus Christ was supposed to pass through has already been predestined in Isaiah 53 that he will go through the affliction. I talked about this, I think, two or three weeks ago here. He will go through the pain. But see, the way God manifests his will is that he wants you to be a partaker. Why? Because he created you. Hear me. And because he created you, when you ask for the will of God to be done, he brings you in. And then he starts to say, because you have accepted my will, now I want you to be a partaker of this will with me. So as you go through the fires, you will still go through the fires, but he will be with you. You will still go through the storm, but he will be with you. So even though you are going through it, it is all working out for your good. Because at the end, the will of God will be manifested. Jesus Christ got it. Jesus got it. Abraham missed it the first time. Because when he asked God for a son, he thought it was about his handiwork. Because he was getting close to being of age or beyond age to have a child. So he had to find somebody to impregnate, thinking that that child was going to be the promised child. But little did he realize that that child was not the promised child because he missed it. That God was trying to take him through the process. He needed to be a partaker of the will. And then Jesus Christ came to the show. And when Jesus Christ came, he said, not to my will, but your will. So he picked up the cross and he thought of me. He thought of you. He thought of our shortcomings. Yet he did not let go of the cross. He continued to carry the cross that you and I can be partakers of the absolute will of God. The will of God. I pray that we will get it. Don't let your process define you. Can I say that again? Don't let your process define you. If it's fire, just keep going through it. The storms you may be experiencing in your families, in your children, in your health, in your life, in your husband, in your wives, in your workplaces. I came to encourage somebody. If it is the Lord's will for you to be there, stay there. Don't let it define you. You are not defeated because of the process. You are not forgotten because of the process. But let the process refine you. You know what I mean? Let it strengthen you that God is more than able. And we'll end it next week at Jude 20. Hallelujah. The youth told me when we did a, we had a youth meeting. We're doing a draw your sword. I don't know who knows how to draw that thing. And I said, okay, open Jude, chapter 20. Everybody will say, Pastor, where's the chapter? <laughs> and where's the verse? Jude is one book. And that's why I love Jude. He keeps his life simple. 
I'm trying to learn how Jude handled his ministry. So I'm ending here so that we can continue the next letter next week. May the Lord help us to know his will. Please rise on your feet. I want all of us to just lift up our voice and just pray on this very commission word of the Lord has brought to us concerning his will. And we are praying that whatever confidence that we need today in the Lord, the Lord will enable us to have confidence in him. Just as Ruth had confidence in the God of Naomi. Please lift up your voice of prayer with me as a corporate group, as a corporate body. Father, we call upon thee. We ask the Lord, you will continue to glorify yourself, O oh God. Help us to gain our confidence in you, Jesus. Help us to be built in our confidence in you, Jesus. You are our strength, O oh God. And there is no other like you, O oh Father. So we pray the Lord, you will have your way. You will have your way in our lives, Lord Jesus. Magnify yourself, Father. Let your name be praised above every name. Let your name be made known above every name. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We adore you above every word, O oh God. We lift up your name, Jesus. We lift up your name. And we pray that for our confidence is in you, Jesus. Our confidence is not in the things that we have gained on our own. But we count all things a loss so that we shall gain your son Jesus Christ in our lives. We pray the Lord, you will have your way, O oh God. You will guide us. You will lead us. You will enable us. Grant us understanding and wisdom in the process of our life, O oh God. In Jesus' mighty name, we bless you. We honor you. We glorify thee because you are Lord. This is the first Sunday of the month. And as we do here in this church, we observe the communion. A sacrament that we take very seriously. Because it truly is what also defines us and keeps us in remembrance of who we are. That we are the children of the Most High. The Word of the Lord teaches us that the night before he was taken away to be crucified, he took the bread, took the wine, he blessed it, and he gave it to his disciples. I said, took it to be remembered. That it is no longer about your body, but my body. The reason why when you eat the body of Jesus, he gives you strength because you are in the partaking grace of him. You are no longer by yourself, but you have a helper. You have joined with him. And likewise, he says that when you drink of this wine, which is his blood, you also do it in remembrance of the new covenant. I want you to silently be praying 
Because if there is anything that have, will hinder you, just pray that, Father, forgive me. I count everything I lost. I forgive my brothers and I forgive my sisters. And I want you to be my body and my blood. And the Lord that we call upon, his name is Yahweh, our Father. He hears your prayer. As long as you are not, or you have not made up your mind to just continue to dwell in that place of sin. If you know that you want to renew your life with Christ, as a matter of fact, if you want to renew and give your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity before the Lord's Supper. If you want to re regain and give your life back to Jesus Christ, this is the time for you. It's not about who's standing next to you or who's sitting next to you. But wherever you are standing, you can just lift up your hands. Wherever you are standing, if you want to give your life back to Jesus Christ, this is your time before we dine together as a body of Christ.